Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Mills now in the backfield. Two wideouts to the near side. Stole the tight end in motion. Turn. Fake the handoff. Adrian keeps it himself. Coming to the near side. Adrian to the five. Adrian Martinez in. Touchdown. Nebraska. Adrian Martinez finds the end zone from 10 yards out. Oh, baby. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We need to pick this game before something happens. I know Choices Treatment Center, Big Ten picks are next hour. we got to pick this. It's underway. I got Iowa. Ben? Uh, give me the gophers. Give me the goofers. There. I'll be different. Ooh, Tim? Um... I think I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes. They've bitten me before when I've gone with them, but uh, uh, screw it. I'm taking Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes. Okay, Austin. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Hawkeyes as well. I know it's in Minneapolis, but I, I don't trust that Minnesota defense one bit, so I'll take the Hawks in a pretty close one. All right, very good. We got all the picks in on the first snap from scrimmage, so it's legit. We'll have the rest of them for you coming up in hour number two. Welcome Friday night. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. We've reached the end of the week. We've reached the weekend of a home Husker f- football game. I can't, I can't believe it. It's been almost a year since Nebraska's had a home game, and I know it doesn't really feel like it because there's not the Haymarket's not buzzing like it would be for a real home football game with fans pouring into Lincoln, Nebraska, making it the third largest city uh, in the state, once you get Memorial Stadium filled up, but it is a home game. The, the guys didn't have to get on a plane today. They're not in some strange hotel tonight. They're ready to play Penn State tomorrow. And I got to think, Ben, there's some real excitement among the team to be able to play on their home field for the first time in almost 12 months. Yeah, I bet for the players, it, it's it's probably feeling a lot more, you know, I don't want to say normal, but uh, better. To, to, to be at home than on the road. Um, but honestly, for me, it makes absolutely no difference where the Huskers are playing at home or on the road. Uh, really, the only difference that it makes to me is, you know, whether whether I'm in the main chair or you are. You know, if you're on the road, then then it's me. That's really the only difference it makes. You know, I, you know I'll, I'll be in the uh, in the command center with the with all the, the feed, regardless of of where we're at. But um I, I I will prefer seeing uh, our end zones painted Huskers with the big end in the middle of the field and our home our home home uniforms as opposed to um, anywhere else. So I guess from that standpoint, that's that's a positive. But uh, for the, at least in terms of the team, I'm glad that they get some sense of normalcy and get to be get to be here. The the game will happen. Penn State is here. They left State College and flew here and. Uh, this week, with I think we're up to like 15 postponements now, uh, it, this virus has really hit hard, and I think it may get worse before it's going to get better. And so each time Nebraska can take the field, I think you just relish it, cherish it, soak it in, enjoy the, the as much as you possibly can. And so that's probably the best news of the weekend is that this game is going to happen, as is the Iowa-Minnesota game, which is underway up now in the Twin Cities tonight. You got two teams that are one and two in that matchup tonight. Pretty big game. I mean, the loser 
Not going to feel very good coming out of this one at one and three. What's the trophy? The pig of Rosedale? What, what is this one? The Floyd of Rosedale. Flo- pig. Floyd of Rosedale. It is a pig. Yeah. I'm still trying to learn all those, Ben. I mean, we got, we got so many of these trophy games in this league. It's still trying to figure all that out. Well, all right. Um, we, we've talked about this matchup tomorrow during the week. We still don't know who the quarterback's going to be. My gut tells me it's Luke, but I don't know for sure. Uh, the coaches have played it very close to the vest. Scott Frost, who was on with us last night for an hour, did not reveal who the pick is going to be. Um, and, and we all want this team to play a clean game. We want this team to execute well. We want this team to be able to not make mistakes, not shoot themselves in the foot. If you get stopped by the other team's defense, okay, you tip your cap, you move on, you punt, you go. But if you stop yourself because you're getting illegal procedures or a holding penalty, uh, that that's what stings and that's what you replay in your mind when the game is over for reasons why you lost, not because the other team did a great job slowing you down. So uh, that's what we all want to see tomorrow. Will we? I don't, I don't know. You, you hope so. You, you keep hearing Scott Frost and the coaches, Ben, say, we're close, we're close, we just need something positive to happen. You hope it happens tomorrow, but you got a Penn State team that scares me, and you're sitting there going, well, Greg, they're 0-3. Come on. Maryland kicked them good last week. It's a talented 0-3 team that should have won the Indiana game. That was a little bit flukish at the end. Yeah, you're going to lose to Ohio State, and then I think they just were emotionally gassed last week and didn't make a good effort. I think they will tomorrow. I think they'll play well tomorrow. I think it'll look like a different Penn State team tomorrow than the one we saw last week. I would imagine that being the case. I also think, you know, we talk about this a lot, maybe not every week, but close to every week. Um, And I think it's, you know, we'll talk about this, Brendan and I, tomorrow on Husker Game Day. But the importance for me and the biggest thing that I want to see is a fast start. If Nebraska can go score, get a turnover and, and score again, or a quick three and out, or a quick stop and go score again and get up two possessions, they might quit. Penn State might just say, you know what, another week, we're just, you know, um, we got hit in the mouth, and they, and they might not stand back up. So, it, but again, they get a big lead on you early, or they get a lead on you early, and they take some momentum, that, that could potentially turn their entire season. So, Nebraska needs a fast start tomorrow. They need to come out, hopefully get the ball, go down, score some points with whoever's at quarterback, get a stop, and really apply all the pressure to Penn State. That's what Maryland did, and Penn State folded like a lawn chair. So hopefully Nebraska can replicate that, and Penn State being on the mend and start to play like that top-10 team, hopefully that narrative turns into next week and not tomorrow. Yeah, I'm with you. Fast start and score. I mean, that happened at Ohio State, and the Huskers felt great approaching halftime in that game. Last week, we got the ball to start, drove it down into in Northwestern Territory. Then you had a procedure penalty, followed by a hold, and then you were done. That drive was over. You punt. They then take it uh, 80 yards on a drive and go up 7 nothing, and you're kind of swimming uphill, even though the Huskers battled back and had the halftime lead. So we'll see how it plays out tomorrow. The weather should be pretty good for mid-November. They're talking about about 48 degrees at kickoff. We should get leak into the low 50s. That's pretty good. You'll take that on November the 14th for the Huskers and Penn State tomorrow. If you have some thoughts about the game, how do you think this thing's going to go? Love to hear your thoughts. 531-500-4686. You can dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in 
Brands, locations, and service experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. All right, the other story of the day, Tim had it in the ticker, and this is giant. As Fred Hoiberg and the staff have landed Nebraska's first-ever five-star college basketball player, Bryce McGowans, whose older brother transferred to Nebraska last spring, announced that he was signing with Nebraska today, 6'6", 170-pounder. This guy is ranked as high as number 23 by rivals, 26 by 24-7, 33 nationally by ESPN. It's the first top 50 recruit coming out of high school for Nebraska in over 30 years. This, Ben, is a gigantic get for Husker basketball and for Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, it's potential. And look, I don't want to come on here and say that Nebraska is going to win national championships and be perennial (laughs) final four teams. But but I also think that based on what we've heard from the coaches, this has potential to be a program-changing type commitment, and, and not just because of Bryce McGowan's. I mean, he's obviously a large part of it. But you think about uh, what what this could mean for recruiting in the future. Matt Abdel Massey has proven he can bring high-caliber players in here. Coach Miles was able to get Jalil Okafor to campus one time, once, and you know he was the number one overall recruit. We thought, okay, maybe that could open the door for more high-profile recruits. And Coach Miles did a good job recruiting. But this is taking it to another level. Uh, Nebraska has never had a player of this caliber uh, come out of high school. I get that the circumstances aligned pretty much perfectly for this to be the case. Matt Abdelmassi has been recruiting the McGowans, Bryce and Trey, since they were in middle school, since when he was at St. John's. So the relationship was already built. Uh, Trey committing to Nebraska in um, April from Pitt when he had all kinds of offers to go other places. He ended up choosing Nebraska. Uh, And then the older brother was just the nail in the coffin to get Bryce to come to Lincoln, you know, Hopefully this opens the door for other high-profile recruits to to come here uh, and and want to give Nebraska a shot. This team is going to be loaded with talent with with the next few years, and I can't wait to see how this product on the floor looks. And now that they've had you know plenty of time to get to know it, granted there are still a fair amount of new parts here, right? Kobe Webster, Teddy Allen, Lapman. There, there's plenty of of new pieces to this team that. We'll have to get used to one another, but you've got a good chunk of that team back, at least at least in terms of off the floor with Delano Banton, Derek Walker, Shamil Stevenson, Thor. Um, you know, you've got a good nucleus there. So I, I'm really excited about the future of Nebraska basketball. Bryce McGowan's committing today is exciting. He's an electric player. He can jump. He can dunk. He can shoot. He can dribble. He's very versatile, and you know. Has potential to be a, a one and done type player, which we have not had at at this school in basketball. So, um, yeah, unbelievable news today, and you know it's getting me really giddy for basketball season to return to watch this team. And it shows you how quickly things can change because six months ago, eh, seven months ago, Trey McGowan's maybe wasn't even on Nebraska's radar at that time, uh, but once they got him. It set everything else into motion to get Bryce. I'm sure Bryce didn't have Nebraska anywhere near his top list, 
back last winter when his high school basketball season came to an end. But here you are, November, you get Trey to campus, you work with Trey to get him eligible this year. Apparently he must like it here. He wouldn't be helping young brother make the decision to come to Nebraska. This is just a giant get for Fred Hoiberg. You talked to the coach today, and I know he's not an overly emotional guy, but you had to sense a bit of excitement in his voice when you talked to him today. 100%. I mean, he – absolutely. He, he – uh you know, a little bounce in his step, as there should be. Bryce was committed to Florida State for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that commitment seemed pretty cut and dry, uh, you know, down there in Tallahassee. And, you know, something changed. He decommitted. And I think the timetable was really late. And there was uh, some things that, that opened the door, Nebraska being one of them. And, you know, that's a that's a pretty good list that he had for a final five, you know, with uh, with Michigan on there, of course, fellow Big Ten school and, um, you know, LSU, who's at a really good program. There, there was a good list of teams on there after his decommitment from Florida State. So I would agree with you. I don't think Nebraska was even a thought in his head, you know, maybe as recently as two months ago, or yeah. maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was back when Trey committed, but you know, he was still committed to Florida state at the time. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that he, he had ever considered that, but Matt Abdel Massey's relationship, once he decommitted, I think, I think one out. And so you've got to get a lot of credit to him and, and the, the coaching staff for, for sealing the deal and selling him on a vision of turning this program around from the quotes that I've seen from Bryce McGowan's today. He is all in, he's ready to make his mark on this program. And uh, for however it is, how long that he is here, he's ready to, to make this thing go and, you know, to, to do some things with this program that have never been done before. And I, I absolutely love hearing that. And I can't wait to watch him play and put on the Scarlet and cream. Third member of the recruiting class. The other two were announced on signing day on Wednesday, and now Bryce today. He had set this earlier in the week that he would make his decision on Friday, and it goes Husker, the Huskers' way. Just a huge get for, you're right, Fred Hoiberg, Matt Abdomasi, who did a, was the lead recruiter on this whole thing. Uh, if you are not fired up about where Husker basketball is headed, you're not paying attention because this thing is about to take off for Nebraska basketball. Now we just need a schedule. Now we just need to know who we're playing to win. I mean, we still don't have it. It's unbelievable that another week has gone by and the Big Ten Conference can't put something out. Can't even say if they're going to let teams play non-conference. I don't know that that's a slam dunk. We heard the news. Tim had it in the ticker that there are reports that they're not going to allow non-conference games in baseball and softball this spring. Uh, We're not dead sure they're going to allow basketball to play non-conference games. And Nebraska's, with the help of this uh, promoter, have this tournament lined up here to start in about 11 days. It's unbelievable. It's pretty fantastic that that we're ruling on baseball and softball in February before we're getting a ruling on basketball in in less than two weeks. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Friday night. Tomorrow, the Huskers will tangle with Penn State. 11 o'clock for the kickoff. We'll begin pregame coverage uh, in 11 and a half hours. That's when we get that going with the opening drive. Part of Husker game day each week is, Ben, your chance to sit down and chat with a member of the Husker football team. It's called the Cornhusker Conversation. What do you have on tap for tomorrow? 
Yeah, hopefully a guy that starts getting loose a little bit and gets some more touches with Nebraska's offense. Wandale Robinson has been a big focal point with the media this week to Husker coaches to see if they are there is plans to get him more involved with the offense. Just 10 touches for him so far in the first two games. But he is this week's subject. This is a sneak peek of what you can hear tomorrow on Husker Game Day with myself and Brendan Stye starting at 7 a.m. And it's another edition of our Cornhusker Conversation. Today we welcome in Husker wide receiver Wandale Robinson. Uh, wide receiver, man, they don't have to slap the running back label on you. They've, they've got you in one spot. Just how different has this been for you um, with the point of emphasis of your position and you know, your, really your approach every day to, to practice and what you're focused on as a player? Um, I mean, it hasn't been too different. At the end of the day, I want to make sure I know everything I can. Um, everything that has to go on, whether that be a running back or receiver. I just want to be able to stay on the field and do whatever I can. I mean, there's still some times I'll get in the backfield and do what I have to do, but if they need me to get back there to carry the ball 10, 15 times, I'll do it So at the end of the day, so no matter what. How has it been year number two for you? I mean, I know you came to Nebraska expecting a big role right away, which you did. Uh, and now as just a sophomore, you're probably seen as one of the guys that, that people look up to with leadership and in terms of questions. You know you've got a lot of young players in your room. What's that been like for you, kind of transitioning from year one to year two as a quote-unquote older player just in your second year? Um, I mean, it's been kind of nice. Um, I've said this before, but it's been a little bit like high school. Um, in high school, my freshman year, it was kind of had a little bit of a big, bigger role than people expected. But and then sophomore year, just had to kind of turn it up a notch on the leadership and helping everybody get a come along and um, follow what we were trying to do and win football games. So. You mentioned your, your time in, in, in high school. I, I We've all seen the, the highlights, and obviously you had a very prolific high school career. But what was it like you know, playing high school football for you the first time as a freshman and the comparisons at Nebraska when you think back to what it was like strapping up for your first high school game? Um, a lot more nerves for the first college game than for the, than for the first high school game. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I just tried to approach everything the same. Um, just come in, and I knew that it wasn't. I wasn't expected to be the best or what I needed to do. Um, so I just came in, wanted to help our team in any way possible, and that's what I've done. That's what I try to do here too. When you're going through a high school camp, or at least before your first season, you could probably get a sense of what your coaches were asking you to do. What was your relationship like with your high school coach as a freshman? How much were you guys familiar with one another, and you know what he was going to have you be a part of the team your first year? Um, it's kind of funny. So my offensive coordinator, my offensive coordinator, my freshman year, didn't want to play me at like running back or a little slot receiver type of things because he was like he's a little too small and I don't want him to get hurt. So they lined me up out wide, but then in our scrimmage, I said, let me get one play at running back, and then I got one play and I scored like 75 yard touchdown my freshman year. So um, then they started, then they changed it, and then the first game I had three touches for three touchdowns. So my freshman year. <laughs> what, where was your desire? Like, what, like, where did you want to play? I'm sure a lot of it came from what you saw growing up and who you idolized as a player. Like, what, what, what were you wanting to do? I wanted to play everything, kind of what I did in high school anyway. I wanted to play receiver. I wanted to play running back. I wanted to do all of that. Um, I mean, I looked up to guys like D'Anthony Thomas and Tavon Austin and those guys, and watching them in college, they did everything. So that's what I – and they were a similar snatcher to me. So I just felt if I was going to go to college, I needed to be able to do everything and not have really have a weakness in my game. So, A lot of 
players that are your stature in terms of height maybe aren't as physically put together as you are. I mean, you, you're not you're you're not little by any means. You're, 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 there's there's a lot of girth to you. Is that something that you've always kind of had? You know, with I know your dad is a big uh, training guy and you know likes to lift. When did you start taking that part seriously and and you know add some I guess east to west instead of north to south? Um, whenever probably around like freshman sophomore year that's whenever we started taking lifting really serious um i had always kind of been strong and a little like just kind of cut and like with my frame and stuff just from my dad but once i got to high school i knew that i really had to start lifting weights and then it was it took off from there what was your relationship like with your teammates in high school uh, and how many of those guys did you know prior to playing uh, just kind of your community I know sometimes if you're from a bigger area you may not know any of your teammates or from from a smaller area maybe you know you, you've played with a bunch of them your whole life how much of those guys were you familiar with in high school to maybe ease or make that transition more difficult I had known even from like my freshman year I'd known just about all my teammates since I was like eight or nine. So we had always kind of we had always grew up through the same systems and the same football leagues. And so we always had an idea of who everybody was and just me kind of being a little bit better than most. I was able to get an advantage with the older guys and knowing who those ones were. So it was really it was really fun just to be able to grow up with those guys and actually play high school football with them, too. What other sports did you guys like to compete with one another? And were, and, and were you kind of always the one that had the upper edge in all the sports or were you lagging behind in any other areas? I was basketball and baseball. Baseball was probably the one that I had the upper hand still with everyone. But basketball, I just wasn't. I mean, I'm not tall, so I just <laughs> ran past. If I was younger, it was it was easy. I would just run past everybody with the ball and lay it up. But once everybody got a little bit bigger, uh, basketball went for me. <laughs> I do remember you talking a little bit about baseball with us uh, when we did one of these talks with you last year. Where where did your love for baseball come from? And I know that there's been a couple of your teammates that have come from the southeast um, down in Louisiana and Florida that, that have been baseball players. Where Where, where is baseball? Uh, where did that enter into your life and, and you know become a passion for you? Um, I actually had a buddy, and so we was, I would always go to baseball tournaments with him. At this point, I didn't play baseball. I was around nine years old. And I would always go to the baseball parks and stuff, but I would just end up running around and they couldn't find me. So eventually they were like, we're just going to put you on the baseball team. My first year, I was bad. I was really bad at baseball. But after that, just kind of kept working. And then for some, I guess it just clicked. And then I got really good at baseball and it was really fun. But um, my sophomore year, once I got a football offer, it was over with. Guessing, guessing center field for you. Where, 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 was, that, was, that, was that your go-to spot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> describe Easy. describe Wandale Robinson as a hitter. What were you like in the box? I hated to bunt. I let <laughs> off, and it was kind of weird because I hated bunting, but I was really fast. But I was like, if I just hit the ball on the left side of the field, I'm gonna get saved. Like it's not like they're gonna throw me out. <laughs> so, but it, it was actually really fun during summer ball and stuff because teams would be like scoot up. But I would hit, and then they'd be surprised. So I hit a couple home runs my 15-year uh, year in summer ball. So then teams are kind of like, okay, he can hit too. So it was a little bit of fun. <laughs> Sneak peek of what you can hear tomorrow with our Cornhusker conversation. Um, it's always funny listening to those guys. It's so funny, Greg. You you, you talk about you talk to these guys enough over their careers, and you know what they played growing up, and they'll all tell you 
that they were way better in the sports that they're not playing anymore than they are <laughs> in the current sports. Like Alonzo yeah. Moore was could have played in the NBA. Wandale Robinson was a was a great baseball player. You know, it's a, they, they, you know, I think it's like the. The, the the humble brag that they had about you know their old playing days and in, in other sports it's kind of funny it's got to get double digit touches tomorrow doesn't he they've got to give it to him in that jet package they got to get it to him out little bubble screens they just have to get the ball in his hands i mean the logic's airtight you need more explosive plays maybe get the ball to your most explosive players right and you just yeah. like it's like you got you know you're handyman going to going to a to a job if you've got the right tools it makes your job a lot easier so let's maybe let's maybe use the right tools and, and i don't want it to come across that he's been ignored he has i think he has 10 catches on the year but he doesn't have a carry yet so he's averaging five catches per game that's not awful but he's just the kind of guy that can turn a four-yard pass into a 40-yard gain for you yeah, and that's what he brings. We've seen it a lot of times already in just one year. We've seen this offense so far through two games really try and run through the two quarterbacks, and you know that 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 means that other other positions on the field are lacking. It was great to see Marcus Fleming get the amount of targets and mm-hmm. catches that he did against Northwestern. Uh, I'd like to see Wandale get more involved. I'd like to see Elante Brown get more involved. I'd like to see Xavier Betts get more targets. I mean, there are plenty of mouths to feed in this offense. Let's start giving a little bit to eat. Here we are back with our number two of our Friday edition of Sports Sportsana here on the Husker Sports Summer. Congratulations, you made it to another weekend. And we have a home Husker football game tomorrow, the Penn State Nittany Lions. We'll be at Memorial City at 11 o'clock kick. We'll be on the air at 6 a.m. With the opening drive, Jeremiah Searles will join me for that. That's only 11 hours away. Whatever. <laughs> we'll get used to it. We're doing it again next week, right? Illinois is also at 11 on the 21st. All right, coming up this hour, we'll have our Big Ten pick segment, and we'll hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network and time later on for some interaction with all of you about your thoughts about this matchup tomorrow with Penn State. But let's get it underway. Our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. All right, boys, what was the damage last week? Well, it was a rough week. Uh, damage is an appropriate word. Um, I did lead the pack, however. Um, Josh, and Greg, <laughs> Josh and Greg, you guys got tripped up uh, by Michigan. It was Indiana that prevailed there. I was uh, – Austin and I were the only losers who picked Michigan State to beat the Hawkeyes. We all whiffed on Penn State, Maryland. Mike Loxley yep. really got that thing going down there. Um, Greg and Ben, you guys got tripped up by Boise State. It was BYU who prevailed, and they prevailed big if memory serves. Yeah, they did. Uh, and then Georgia, we all whiffed on the Bulldogs. Mm. It was Florida. Which we all said it was going to be close, so we, we get the moral victory at least. And then uh, I was the only person who believed in the Fighting Irish. You guys all picked the Tigers, got it wrong. I think it was 2 OT or at least 1 OT to get that done for the two. Fighting Irish. 2 OT. It was 2. Yeah. So, Greg, though, uh, at the back of the – well, I'd say the back of the cube at Austin uh, went 2 of 8. Really, really Austin. rough. Austin. Really, really rough week. Six. Wow. Like, like uh, Betancourt last Friday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, Greg, 3 of 8. It was a very – very poor showing ben and josh went four of eight and i patting myself on the back as we speak went five of eight so good for me uh that brings us the season totals uh austin still in last place at 64 of 96 he's got some ground to to make up so do i i'm sitting at second to last 66 of 96 uh greg 68 of 96 that's one off ben's mark of 69 of 96 nice uh and then josh at 72 of 96 he is leading the pack good for him 
We can still reel be behind him Josh. In. Yeah, yeah, we, gotta, we can still reel him in. Yeah, we got to yeah. knock yeah. him off his pedestal. He's especially if we keep going four of eight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. it takes one good week. It was rough. All right, uh, all right. Tonight, Iowa, Minnesota. We picked this one right before kickoff. Three of us took Iowa. One of us, Ben, took Minnesota. And right now, it's a fourteen nothing Hawkeye lead. You know, Minnesota's ranked one twenty two out of one twenty three in rush defense. I got a feeling that's going to turn around in the second half. Do you? Okay. All right. <laughs> Not like you've seen Iowa blow big leads before or anything. (laughs) All right. uh, Tomorrow, 11 o'clock, Indiana at Michigan State. Ben, the Hoosiers ranked 10th. Yes, 10th in the country. Told everybody I'm on the Hoosier train until we blow a wheel. So give me the Hoosiers. I'm riding this train as long as it'll take me. Taking it to the last stop. Uh, Only favored by seven and a half are the Hoosiers in this one, Tim. I'll make some room on the uh, the Hoosier mobile. Uh, I'm climbing in and I'm staying on it. <laughs> Tom Allen's boys got them rolling, and uh, Michigan State was not impressed last week. So give me the Hoosiers. Upset alert. No, no. Tim goes with a favorite. All right, Austin. You weren't impressed with their 59-7 to or whatever it was lost to <laughs> Iowa last week? You no. weren't impressed with that? I picked them to win. Uh, I'm very upset with them still. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, was rooting for Michigan State last week. Uh, it didn't go so well for me. I will also take Indiana in this one. I'm a little nervous about the Hoosiers. I think they've probably been getting a lot of pats on the back. Michigan State has shown the ability to bounce back after a tough defeat. I think this is really close, but I think the Hoosiers win by a field goal. All right, uh, Tim, this is a Rock'em Sock'em game at 11 on BTN, Illinois at Rutgers. Uh, Rock'em Sock'em it is, but I think dealing the more of the punches will be the State College of New Jersey. Give me Rutgers, Greg Schiano. Um, you know, the, the, the win-loss record might not reflect it. I mean, granted, there haven't been that many games, but I think that, you know, they, they're already leaps and bounds better than they were last year. Um, that ain't saying much, uh, but, hey, Noah Vedrill, and Greg Schiano, uh, they've given a little bit of life to Rutgers, and I think they're just enough to beat the fighting Illini. Man, might be the first time in the history of the program that I'm going to pick Rutgers to win a game. I, I don't love the Illinois defense really at all. I think Rutgers has just enough to get it done in Piscataway. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll go Noah Vedrill. I'll, I'll pick the Scarlet Knights to get their second win of the year tomorrow. Yeah, my philosophy of, of never picking Rutgers until they win a game, um, they, they have won a game, so uh, that, that means they're on the table to be selected, which is not something I ever do is pick the Scarlet Knights to win in anything. Uh, but I will, I think, choose um, Rutgers. I trust Illinois about as much as I trust my daughter to not put anything in her mouth right now. <laughs> so um, that, means, that means Rutgers is my selection. I have zero faith in the Illini, especially their secondary. It is just brutal. All right, Austin, 4 o'clock, BTN tomorrow. Battle for the top spot in the Big Ten West. Northwestern travels to Purdue. Wildcats a three-point favorite. You know, I don't think we would have predicted this as you know the matchup for the Big Ten West lead at the start of the year. I think it's about time for Northwestern to lose a game. I hope there are fireworks in this one, but I think the Cats eke it out. Wow, you mm. kind of did it. You did a 180 on that. I thought you were ready to go Purdue. <laughs> I, I definitely considered it, but I, yeah. I'll go with Northwestern. Uh, Mike Carmen, we had him on the other night on the Blitz, and he just said, traditionally, Northwestern's just been the more physical team. I think physicality wins out on this one. I'm with Austin. I go with the Cats. 
Yeah, I'm 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 on Team Northwestern too right now. I I, I do like the way that O'Connell's throwing the ball. I love David Bell. I think Xander Horvath's even been surprising. You know his success running the ball. But I don't have a lot of trust in the Diaco fence just yet. <laughs> um, so give me uh, give me Northwestern. Uh, typical Pat Fitzgerald scratching claw this this one out, and I'll say Cats by three. Yeah, I think Northwestern has shown just a little bit more than the Boilers uh, this year. Granted, I did think that, uh, as the aforementioned Bob Diaco at the helm of the defense, I thought Purdue would have a much rougher year than they've had thus far, but they've actually quietly impressed me. That said, Northwestern, they, they're just solid enough to get it done. They have a really stout defense, and that win over Maryland, uh, 43-3, is looking ever more impressive by the minute. I, I that, that, is, that is surprising to me. So I know it's all about matchups, but – uh, that's still a, a, an impressive win, which it was not what I thought at the beginning of the year. So man. give me the cats. Man, nobody took Purdue. I, I'm surprised that, that nobody went I was that close. Way. Do we want to give Josh's picks so far since we have no. those in? No. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. So Josh took Iowa as well, as well as Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern. So none of us have changed anything except Ben's Gophers pick. Nobody picked. I can't believe out of all of us, nobody took Purdue. All right, uh, under the lights tomorrow night at the Big House, Wisconsin. Welcome back to college football. We don't know who the Badgers quarterback's going to be. I'm not sure that it matters. I think they're the more sound team, the more physical team. I think Michigan's a deflated balloon right now. Badgers favored by four and a half. And, Ben, I like the Badgers to go to 2-0. and Yeah, it's sure been quiet regarding Wisconsin and who's available and who's not. Um I don't know what the quarterback situation is. My hunch is that Mertz plays. They're going to do everything they can to get him out there. Uh, you're right. Michigan is a deflated, deflated balloon. I'm going to choose Michigan in this game mm. just because I feel like Harbaugh, every time it's, it's you know, the referees on the canvas looking over the, the boxer on the ground counting, he stands up at nine. And so I feel like uh, Harbaugh will stand up at nine again tomorrow and pull out a win and save this conversation at least until Michigan plays Ohio State. Yeah, Michigan's probably the, the smart choice here, especially given uh, Wisconsin's QB situation. But that said, I, I cannot side with the khakis. I, they just haven't shown it to me this season. Uh, again, the, the Wisconsin QB situation kind of frightens me a little bit. But as Greg said, I think that they are the better team. And uh, it's not particularly close, at least what we've seen, which granted isn't a whole lot. So give me the Badgers. I don't love the pick. But I'm gonna. I think I'm forced to side with them, given how abysmal Michigan's been this year. Michigan's in a bad way right now. Don't love how they're playing, but at least they've played. It's been a while since Wisconsin has gotten on the field. I will take. I'll take uh, Michigan in the rust versus rest debate. It'll be close, but I think the Wolverines get it done. Okay. All right, let's do some top 25 matchups. Ben at 11 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. Ninth ranked Miami. Visits Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. The Hokies, a two-point favorite in this game. Yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. Miami has not played uh, up to their level yet. They play to their competition pretty much every time that they play. That being said, I, I, I do trust De'Ara King a little bit more than I trust anybody on Virginia Tech. I'll say Miami wins, but I am not really impressed with what I've seen with the Canes, even though they are in the top ten in ranking right now. Yeah, I mean, they, they are ranked ninth in the country. That's probably a little bit too high, but given the weirdness of the season, it's not surprising. Uh, give me 
uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, I, I Again, not a pick I love, but I think just given what we've seen this season, I've seen just enough from Miami for, for me to pick them comfortably uh, against Miami, or rather against Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman. Give me the Hokies in Blacksburg. Hmm. What did, did we get Josh's pick from the Michigan game? Uh, Josh also had that? the Wolverines, and he's got Miami in this Ooh. one. All right, so we're split up that on that Michigan Wisconsin matchup. I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with the home team, v- Virginia Tech. It's surprising to me they're favored. I always say somebody knows something, so I'll go with somebody. Give me the the Vatech Hokies in this one tomorrow. All right, moving down the board, we've got. Um, Pac-12 action tomorrow night under the lights on Big Fox. Ben, 11th ranked Oregon, visiting Washington State to take on the 1-0 Cougars. Oregon, a 10.5-point favorite. Who you like? Give me the Ducks. I think they uh, they impressed me week one. They kind of pulled away in that second half. They're trying to find their way without Herbert, uh, without a couple members of that defense. Uh, but I still think they're loaded with talent. They're a sound defensive team. I like Oregon, and if they want – um, I mean, they, they, they have aspirations of playing in the playoff, and to do that, they have to win these types of games. So give me uh, give me the Ducks. Yeah, um, I, I like Oregon in this one as well. The Pac-12 is not a stellar conference, or at least it's taken some knocks to his reputation in the <laughs> last few years, and deservedly so. But uh, that said, I think Oregon are a solid football team, and uh, they, they'll have enough to get it done against Washington State for sure. Yep, Oregon pretty comfortably. <laughs> What Josh do? Uh, Josh also had the Ducks. Quack quack. Didn't didn't the Ducks win the Rose Bowl last year? Or am I dreaming? That? I think they did. Then they beat Wisconsin. Yeah, they beat. They won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Justin Herbert got that done. They'll get it done tomorrow night. It won't be comfortable, but they'll get her done tomorrow night. All right, Tim, you get to wrap us up. We're going to go a little off board here on this one with a matchup in the AAC between SMU, the 19th ranked Ponies. On the road at Tulsa, who's only going to be playing their fifth game of the year. Tulsa, this game's a pick tomorrow night. Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, flip a coin. Um, you know, it, Tulsa is a team that uh, has surprised me this year. They played a lot of teams close. I remember, we were all kind of laughing at Oklahoma State in that early match that they had against the Golden Hurricanes. But, uh, no, I mean, they, they've, they've actually been surprising. However, that said, I, I think that the Ponies will have just enough. Just enough. It might be a field goal game to get it done against Tulsa, but I think SMU does get it done. Tulsa ruins UCF seasons and not SMUs. I like what the SMU offense is doing with Shane Buchel at the control, so I will also take the ponies in a row toss-up. Okay. I love defense. Defense, defense. Give me the Golden Hurricane holding serve at home. Tulsa. I like Tulsa, too. I I keep waiting for them to kind of lighten up and, and, and play like we expect a Tulsa team should, but I think they might be legit. Yeah, they, they took <laughs> Oklahoma State to the end. And they, they've won every other game. So, and I'm, I've already been on record. I am not a huge fan of, of what's been happening down in Dallas with SMU. I, I think they're a bit of a fraud. So give me, give me the Golden Hurricane. And what did Josh do on this one? Do we have uh, Josh pick? also had uh, Tulsa. Ooh, okay. Sports Nightly about halfway through our Friday night program. Thanks to everybody for sticking with us. Made it through your week. Husker football coming your way tomorrow morning just after 11 o'clock. 
Changing gears now to the National Football League, as we do each and every Friday with our good friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, starting with last night's game, big in-division battle between the Colts and the Titans. Indianapolis gets a couple of huge plays on special teams to pull away, 34-17. A big win for them in the division. I guess Colts fans should be pretty fired up with what they saw last night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, probably as positive as you could be. You know, it's interesting. They came into the game with so many questions, not really about the team, but I would say more about, like, Philip Rivers and, and the offense, you know, because everyone knows the defense is great. And I think, you know, they certainly got an opportunity to showcase that last night. I mean, you know, Derrick Henry had 100 yards, but it's not like the Titans did much else. Um, but, you know, this was Rivers made few mistakes, and special teamers, you know, special teams kept him in the mix. Had a block punt, um, you know, took advantage of a shank to score, converted a ton of, of fourth downs. I think just the way they called the game sort of indicated how, you know, sort of serious it was. I would say how how much they needed it. Um, you know, they're not the most aesthetically pleasing team, but this was a good win for you know. Uh, someone who looks like they're going to be, you know, maybe end up as the champion of that division. Yeah, you, you just nailed it right right there. And you told us last week if Phillip Rivers doesn't throw the ball to the other team, which he didn't last night, this team's got a pretty good chance. It's It, it can be hard to watch at times. You know they, they really want to try and run the ball, but Jonathan Taylor just keeps running to the back of his old lineman. It's just not working for him right now. Wilkins had a big game last week. It was Naheem Hines last night that kind of carried the load. When you kind of assess – what what Indy is on offense, what is Frank Reich just trying to establish right now, knowing that his defense is going to keep him in games? Yeah, I think he was trying to find a spark, for lack of a better way of saying it. I mean, it was, um, you know, for them, it was basically who's going to be the running back that's going to step to the forefront. You know, Taylor has been okay, maybe not quite what they thought, but it's early, you know, and, and I think – we all decide for running backs that, like, you know, you know if he's really good after year one. That's not always true. You know, Ronald Jones was not good as a rookie and only now is kind of finding that groove um, to kind of being maybe the every down back that they thought or, or whatever he ends up, whatever he ends up being. Um, I think for the Colts, they're just trying, to, just trying to find something. And, you know, Naeem Hines is probably more of a third down back, you know, maybe more of a – you know, more Duke Johnson than David Johnson, essentially. Um, but he caught fire last night. And if you got someone who's got the hot hand like that, keep riding them. And, you know, I think that was really big for the win. Tennessee 6-3 uh, and three now on the year. Um, again, they, I think yesterday it was just ball control. They, 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 they were hardly on the field as an offense. And they, as we all know, they want to pound Derrick Henry at you when you're when you're Tennessee right now and, and you're looking at at the landscape of the division um are, are you discouraged at all after last night or is it just one of those deals where it's a long season and you stay the course keep doing what you're doing I think they're at the point where they can stay the course I mean I for them you know if they get their I mean they sort of did a weird thing they had a punter who hadn't really punted before he gets a punt blocked he had a shank you know I, if I'm the Titans I could easily convince myself that this was not a big deal because it's more of an anomaly than anything else. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think they can probably, to me, stay the course and, and keep rolling. Um, I didn't see anything alarming from the Titans except, 
you know, if you get behind, they're not a team that's great at fighting their way back. That's kind of the only thing that sticks out to me. I would agree with that completely um, in regards to Tennessee. Let's switch gears to the Dolphins now, Ian. Now 5-3, and three, Tua Tungabailoa, 2-0 and oh as a starter. Start one didn't play fantastic, but defense did enough to keep him in it and played a little bit better uh, last week. They got the Chargers this week at 5-3. and three. What what kind of season is Miami up to right now? They're, they're quietly 5-3 and three and you know just a couple of games back in that division. Yeah, I mean, if Tua is going to play like this, you know, it really changes the landscape of, um, of what they're going to be. You know, I think after the first game, it was like, well, maybe two is not like we thought, but they were so conservative, and they were already up a ton. I mean, I think they were just wanted to make sure they got out of there with the win. Um, you know, last week it was like, okay, wow, maybe they really, you know, sort of hit the jackpot with, with two, and maybe, um, you know, maybe he is going to be exactly what they hoped. And I think that's what's fun about this week is, you got Tua versus Justin Herbert, quarterback and quarterback, taken back-to-back. Uh, both teams, I believe, got the quarterback that they wanted. Um, but, you know, if you're the Dolphins, you got a stout defense. You're pretty good in special teams. you got a good coach. You know, if you got a rookie quarterback that can ball like this, like they could, they could be one of those teams that kind of sneaks into the playoffs and maybe plays a little above maybe where they should. Um, it's a really good place to be for a young team, really good. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com is our guest. Let's hop divisions and go to New Orleans next. There was a lot made um, with Michael Thomas and, and the charade that's been his season. Uh, Drew Brees not being able to throw the ball downfield. Their defense was a disaster the first four weeks. But here they are at 6-2, and two, defense playing a little bit better. Is this kind of the season that Sean Payton maybe expected with New Orleans? Have they, have they straightened it out? Yeah, and I think because they played – without Michael Thomas for so long. They had to develop so many other receivers. And they weren't great. They weren't perfect, but they somehow managed to kind of stack some wins together. Now they get Michael Thomas back, and I think they look better than they ever did. I mean, they really, like, to me, they are a very scary team because you have to hit that point in the season where you have some injuries and it's low and things aren't great. And you, you know, can you sort of make it through? Uh well, they've done it, and they've made it through. Um, I mean, I think they're in a really good place. And come playoff time, you know, even though they don't get the home the sort of home field advantage of having their crowd, that's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, certainly they are uh, – would be one of the teams to watch out for in that in that conference. Pittsburgh finding a way to win games two weeks in a row. Uh, Battleway passes in the end zone to stay unbeaten at 8-0. When you look at the Steelers right now, we've talked about how complete they are. A little bit of a scare last week with Dallas, but so it goes in the NFL. Where, yeah. I mean, how, how, how confident are they right now? It sounds like a, a stupid question at 8-0, but, I mean, a couple of weeks they've been no, tested. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure it's a stupid question, honestly, because, you know, they, they, look, they look good. The record is good. But have they been a dominant 8-0 team? Probably not. And now, I mean, they're going to go basically the whole week without Ben. I mean, Ben's going to come off probably tomorrow morning, the COVID-19 reserve list. But, you know, I mean, it's, he hasn't practiced all week. We saw Matthew Stafford look not as good with the Lions because he hadn't practiced. And they faced the Bengals, who, you know, can kind of light it up a little bit. Um, I think it's a tough game for Pittsburgh. And if they lose, which is very possible, 
it's only going to bring more questions about like how real they are, which again, like sounds weird because right now, but if you watch them, it's not that weird. Yeah. We'll stay in the vision for a second. Interesting comments out of Baltimore this week with quarterback Lamar Jackson. Don't know if you caught it saying, you know, the other teams know yeah. our plays. They know what we're doing. How serious is this? And if that's the case, what do they do to change it? You know, it's, it's not nothing. I can't say it's like, ah, it's whatever, don't, no, because, you know, it's really, this is the evolution of having a new, cool, fun offense is that everybody studies and everyone wants to beat you and they go to school and at some point, you know, you're the team that everybody wants to beat. Um, and now they kind of got to go back and say, all right, we've established our tendencies. Other teams know our tendencies. What can we do to overcome that? How can we come back from that? So, it's not a bad thing to happen. It was probably inevitable. But I think if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you know, you go back now and you say, all right, they're adjusting to us. How can we adjust to them? Yeah, we'll see how, how it turns out this week against the Patriots. Three and five, they'll have the Sunday night game uh, for us uh, and watch that on Sunday evening. Ian Rapport, the NFL Network. Ian, before we let you go, it seems like the week of the running back uh, in terms of, of injuries. I know Miles Sanders looks like he's trending up. Um, what are the updates on guys like Sanders and Joe Mixon? And I know you've got something on Devontae Freeman as well. So let's start with, with Sanders. Had a good week of practice, missed a couple weeks with the knee. Um, and I would say he's going to play. Mixon is listed as doubtful. Still got that foot injury. He's not going to play, so that's going to be Gio Bernard, starting quarterback there. Devontae Freeman, who had been the giant starting running back, has an ankle he was placed on injured reserve earlier today. He is out for the next three games uh, with a chance to return. Um, so I think Wayne Gallman probably is going to be uh, the starter there. Um, you know, that's sort of the uh, – oh, and then Mark Ingram returned to practice, giving him a chance to play and return after a couple weeks away for the Baltimore Ravens. That's kind of uh, the running back injury list, and there are a lot of them. Yeah, there's no doubt a lot of fantasy owners taking that information heading to their lineups right now to make some changes. Ian Rappaport, the yep. NFL Network. Ian, thanks so much, man. Great stuff this week. Enjoy the games. Talk to you next week. Thanks, thanks so much for your time as always. All right, absolutely, man. Good talking to you. Yeah, and uh, sadly we've had to start knocking some stuff off the weekend preview due to coronavirus wreaking havoc i think it's yeah uh, no secret that this has become the the most affected weekend in college football to date it's been uh it's been a rough go for a lot of the teams and even a pac-12 you know show, showing some fancy footwork and maneuvering and, and making some things happen unlike another league that i've once heard of but you know we won't we won't get into that speaking of that one league that i had once heard of uh they've got games this weekend a couple of them anyway no Maryland and Ohio State this weekend, but we do have uh, obviously a game happening right now between Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, but coming up tomorrow at 11, Greg, the 10th ranked Indiana Hoosiers on the road in East Lansing um, taking on the 1-2 and two Michigan State Spartans. As we talked about in our pick segment, Indiana just over a touchdown favorite in this one, but it's weird seeing a 10 next to the Hoosiers' name. How about that? I mean, they and, and they're legit. I mean, this is a really good team, and I keep I keep bragging on us, but that's okay, right? We had them in our preseason top twenty-five, and already this year they've beaten Penn State and Michigan. So I mean, this is a legit, it's a legit deal where they are right now. I 
I think they're pretty darn solid, and I don't think they're going to have any problem tomorrow. I think there's a trophy on the line for this. Is like the brass baton or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sounds for, right. For tomorrow's game. If Indiana can go 3-0 and and start to turn it around, I have to believe that Nebraska can do it at some point. Yes. Uh, hopefully relatively soon. Also at 11, uh, Rutgers and Illinois. So get your pillows out for this one. BTN, where you can find that. Teams combined 1-5 and five on the year. Uh, Rutgers with the big win to, to start things off with their season. Um, gave our picks already. Have you gotten to watch much Noah Vedral? Yeah, bits and pieces here and there. He's done well. He's acquitted himself well. That that just – Greg Schiano has made them pretty sound. They still lack talent in spots, but – He's gonna he's gonna gather some talent and coach them up. That was a really really good hire. And then you go see what Mike Loxley did last week, and all of a sudden those two don't aren't just necessarily punching bags in that Big Ten. Eh? So happy for Noah that he's uh, getting to play and getting to do show off his talents. Yep. Uh, okay, then you got to go to four o'clock for Northwestern and Purdue. Odd start time, but neither team has lost undefeated. You know, we again, we gave our picks last segment. You look at Northwestern and, and their momentum right now and, and even Purdue. Who who do you think trends more upwards right now of these two? I don't know. Uh, there's strengths to both, right? I mean, plus, is there, who's, who's at full strength? <laughs> you know, that plays yeah. into it quite a bit. Um, where, where do you lean on this thing? My edge probably goes to Northwestern just because I think I have a little more confidence in Pat Fitzgerald, but the history of the program of Northwestern, you know, they, they typically lose some games that, that you kind of scratch your head. They are a three-point favorite in this one. Um, I don't know that I'm entirely sold on Purdue yet, though. So yeah. that, that they've got a bye week. They had a bye week with the game canceled last week against Wisconsin. Like I said in the, in the segment, I, I'm a slight Northwestern lean, but I think – you know, the winner of this game is playing with so much confidence oh, for the rest of the year. Absolutely. But tell me, is Karloftis going to play? Is Rondale going to play? I, there's just some question marks about Purdue, which makes me hesitant. Uh, I think they're more explosive offensively. The Bell kid's just been phenomenal for the Boilers. We're Northwestern. I don't know that they quite have a lot of firepower on offense, and I think you can defend Peyton Ramsey. I think Nebraska did a pretty good job of that. But you're right. I, more sound program right now. It's Northwestern by a, a nose. But, again, I don't know if those studs for Purdue are going to play or not. That's that's where my hesitation is. Yeah. And then you've got uh, to wrap it up at 630 on ABC, game that is interesting on multiple fronts. Wisconsin Ugh. has played just the one game on Friday against Illinois against the 1-2 and two Michigan Wolverines. Badgers a slight favorite, Greg, just four and a half points in this one. Both teams, uh, not no shortage of storylines entering the week. Yeah, we don't know. Is Graham Mertz cleared? He hasn't practiced in three. I mean, that's got to be tough. You're going to throw him out there. He hasn't practiced in a couple weeks. You lose your timing. You're going to be rusty. But Michigan's a mess. So what is it? I, I don't I mean, uh, there's just a lot of question marks. And we, we went to the Blitz the other night. We had a guy from Wisconsin. And that's what he said. He goes, there's so many question marks with these two teams. You know, we don't know. We don't know where everybody is. Let's just, for devil's advocate and hypothetical sake, say Wisconsin does to Michigan what they did last year. Um, they won't. But I yeah, mean, I, I know they won't. But let's just assume for a second they does. Does 
does Coach Harbaugh make it through the year? They can't. Hmm. They can't let him go in the middle of the year, can they? Probably. No, I don't see them doing that mid-season. Um, but yeah, the the pot's boiling, right? I mean, the, the fan base is boiling, and you drop this one. What would that make them? One and three? Is that right? Yeah, maybe one and three. Each man, year six, one and three. Wow. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he does get cut loose before this thing finishes up. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know if he's going to get another crack at the Buckeyes or not, but you know they're poised. I don't think Ohio State's going to take it easy on Michigan whenever it is that they play, uh, just because Michigan's down a little bit. I think you might try and see Ryan Day hang another hundred on those guys, um, if 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 at all possible. Speaking of Ryan Day, like we mentioned, no Ohio State and Maryland this week due to problems in the Maryland camp with the coronavirus so uh, both teams off this week what'd you make I've of got, ryan day's comments um yeah he wishes the big 10 had allowed nebraska to play chattanooga a couple weeks ago is what i got from that uh, my count is 15 games canceled because of covid um but what hey salute to the pac-12 teams cal and ucla quickly piecing together a game for sunday so they don't lose a second week i love that but yeah i've got the count at 15 last week we had 10 Games that were next, now it's at 15. Yikes. Yeah. Speaking of other games around the country, we'll go to top 25 next. Miami, who is and 6-1, but they've looked awful in, in a handful of games, and they've really needed um, to win a lot of close games to get to where they're at. They're on the road in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium taking on Virginia Tech, 11 a.m. ESPN. What have you made of the hurricane season so far? Uh, King is electric. He's fun to watch. He's really given them – a nice little bounce. I, I'm with you. I don't think they're a great team. I think they're overrated at nine. But he, Manny Diaz has done a solid job with that program. But you don't sleep on Vatek. Even though the Hokies are four and three, lost that game to Liberty last week. I, they'll they'll put up a pretty good fight. So love where Miami's going. Not a top ten team. What did you think of Blacksburg when you were there a few years ago? Uh, sleepy town, but like the stadium, like the atmosphere. Sandman, to me, was a little bit overrated, their entry deal, but um, wouldn't mind going back. I wouldn't yeah. mind playing those guys again. We had a couple of really good games with them. Absolutely. Also at 11, we're going to Conference USA for this one, CBS Sports Network, Middle Tennessee, and 16th-ranked Marshall. Saw an awesome video that Marshall put out. It is the 50th anniversary, Greg, wow. of the tragic plane crash that killed – uh, so many members of that football team in that community. They're going to wear special black uniforms, special helmets, and what a season, I mean, so far for Marshall. I mean, it's the 50th anniversary of that tragic day, but they're ranked 16th in the country and undefeated at 6-0. and um, I, mean, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, movie endings and 50th anniversary, and they've got one of their best teams that they've had in a long, long time. Yeah. Can we just take a step back here? By the way, uh, Tim, have you seen We Are Marshall? I mean, is that below your your grade? <laughs> I or? have seen We Are Marshall. If you're okay. not, uh, okay. like a true All right. cinephile. All right. Uh, how about this, Ben? I'm looking at the top 25 right now. The top 25 includes Marshall, Liberty, Coastal Carolina. Uh, who am I missing? Louisiana. I mean, how about that? This is college football, and you've got those names in the top 25? I guess it's a good thing. Um, it seems odd to me. You're seeing I'm rattling off those names, and those are top 25 ranked teams. Wow. 
Yeah, and then you look how high Cincinnati and BYU are ranked, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know those are more household names, but, yeah, pretty crazy. Speaking of Liberty, they're at 11 as well, taking on Western Carolina Hugh on Freeze, ESPNU. Man. Yeah, somebody's going to give him extension. Somebody going to give him a shot again at a big oh, power sure. five? Yeah, I'm sure it happens. Also at 1 o'clock, ESPN Plus, you mentioned Louisiana. They're 6-1, and one, ranked 25th in the country. They'll take on South Alabama, the Jaguars. Moving to the 230 kicks, second-ranked Notre Dame at Chestnut Hill at Alumni Stadium, taking on the Boston College Eagles, fresh off their double overtime win over Clemson, 230 ABC. Upset alert. Keep an eye on that one. Irish favored by 12 in that one. Also at 230 on Fox, back to the Pac-12, 20th-ranked USC taking on Arizona in Tucson. Uh, Trojans a two-touchdown favorite in this one. Man, we're lucked into a win last week against ASU, but they'll take the win and move on. Speaking of ASU, Herm Edwards testing positive today for the Sun Devils. Not good there uh, if you're an ASU fan. 6 o'clock on ESPN in the SEC, Arkansas, 6th-ranked Florida, uh, Gators a, a lofty favorite of this one, seventeen and a half. Been impressed with Arkansas though, Greg. Mm. Three and three. Didn't, I don't. I didn't know if they could find a way to get to two all year. They're already at three halfway through the season and should have four. Remember the end of the Auburn yeah. game, right? And the SEC came out and goes, "Yeah, yeah, we we fouled that up." Well, thanks. That was a win. Yeah, gee, thanks. thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, not good, but they'll get a tough test yeah. against Florida off a big Coach- win over Georgia. Coach Pittman has done a great job down there. Barry Odom, who's the former Missouri head coach, is his defensive coordinator. They have really flipped the switch in Fayetteville. That that program has been stuck in mud for quite a while. So good for them. Good for the Razorbacks. Suey. Six o'clock, Fox, 11th-ranked Oregon at Pullman on the farm, taking on the Washington State Cougars, 10.5-point favorite for the Ducks, who rolled last week. Uh, They're trying to find a new identity right now, but they're still a really good team. Sure are. Really sound defensively. Mario Cristobal's done a good job with that program and, and made them more the, than just a scoring explosion team that we kind of became accustomed to watching with the Ducks. Now they're a more well-rounded football team. And I think if they don't have any hiccups and they can get all their games in, that they're going to get in the discussion to get in the playoff. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Also at 6 o'clock ESPN2, this is the American Conference, 3-1 and one Tulsa. They've only played four games against eight games under the belt of the Ponies of SMU. Mustangs at 7-1. and one. Tulsa a favorite in this one, though, Greg. How about that? Remember, Tulsa's the one that beat UCF, gave UCF their first loss of the year. And almost uh, beat Oklahoma State. And almost beat the Cowboys. You're right. That's a pretty solid team. That'll be an interesting game uh, on the deuce, right, for that one? Uh, that one is on the deuce, yes, yeah. 6 o'clock. Uh, expecting rain in Tulsa, Chapman Stadium. Um, Let's just run through the games that have been postponed. You had number one Alabama and LSU. Everybody expecting uh, or was excited to see that one. Uh, However, that that will not be played. A&M against Tennessee. Did you see the story out of Knoxville today, Greg, where eight staff members on Kentucky, or excuse me, Tennessee's football team were asked to take pay cuts? None of them did. None of them did. And so they all said, nope. Uh, we're not taking pay cuts after Tennessee had to lay off a, a bunch of employees. And, um, you know, a couple of those salaries alone could have saved jobs at 5%. None of them, none of them took it. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. Setting the tone. Also in the SEC, no Georgia or Missouri playing this weekend. 
Coastal Carolina, that uh, undefeated team, the chance we're supposed to take on Troy. That game has been postponed, as has Auburn and Mississippi State. As Greg said, uh, there is a matchup now on Sunday in college football as Cal and uh, who was UCLA. UCLA, yeah, Cal and UCLA both had opponents that were unable to play, and so 48 hours before kick, they're going to play <laughs> Sunday at 9 a.m. Love these it. Co- these coaches, Greg, are going to have a very limited time to, to to scout the opponent and put in a game plan, but both teams are on the same playing field. So uh, I love it. I love the fact that the Pac-12 is willing to take some risks and just play football when they can. Absolutely. Cal hasn't played yet. Cal had their game last week canceled, so they haven't played. So they're a bit of a mystery, but absolutely love that. Be, you got to be flexible. That was the thing I think that Nebraska was trying to get their point across to the Big Ten. You've got to be flexible in these things. And unless you are and you're just going to be stringent about it, then you're going to have just a bunch of weeks where nothing's happening. Kevin Warren, you listening? Paying attention yeah, out yeah, there? He didn't. he didn't care. No. All right, let's move to some National Football League. On Sunday, here are your noon kicks. There are a lot of evening games this weekend too so we'll get into that here in just a second texans and browns cleveland a three-point favorite in this one this one actually on fox for those looking for that one um you'll have baker mayfield against deshaun watson baker's washington back, right what's that baker's back baker's back. Been... yeah okay all right okay um nick chubb actually practiced some this week for cleveland doesn't sound like he's going to play but he's getting much closer he was on the ir much earlier in the season the Washington football team will take on the Detroit Lions. That'll be a a game. That'll be something that happens yep. at noon on Fox. It's a game. Uh, the Jags at 1-7 and seven, taking on the 6-2 and two Green Bay Packers. Packers a 14-point favorite. And a buy-sell question on the line in this one. 18, wasn't it? Wasn't that the line yes, set in our buy-sell? And, Greg, I don't know if you were made aware, but we recorded our fantasy football podcast today, and there was a trade live, made live on the podcast. Literally as it happened, Kittles and Blitz acquired Aaron Rodgers from Sir Yacht's inside source for wide receiver Keenan Allen. So I am am now an owner of Aaron Rodgers, and he will be my quarterback (sighs) starting on Sunday. Tim, what was the motivation behind this? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Tim, okay. Tim was thin logic. at receiver Tim needed a receiver and Keenan Allen was my best one I had Matt Ryan on a bye I went and picked up Baker Mayfield and I said nope this isn't going to work Tim was talking through kind of where his team was at I said let's 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 figure out a trade right here right now and we did so uh Aaron Rodgers for Keenan Allen swapped and Let's go. We'll, so, we'll Tim, see what happens. Who's your quarterback? Well, now it's Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah, okay, you know, you're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. It was the, it's that paradox of choice. I always get a little bit skittish when you have two QBs to start. Now I just have one. It's all good. Yeah, that's yeah. how it happened is because Josh Josh got the whole thing started by uh, by telling team, hey, you, you got pretty good value there at quarterback. And I looked at my roster. I was like, oh, yeah, I had to go waiver wire hunting this week. So, Tim, let's make something happen. And we did. So, um, there you go. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now a member of my team and buy sell on the line. There's just a lot of things happening for me in that Green Bay Jacksonville game this weekend. Also at noon on Fox, Eagles and Giants. I'm just so out on that division. I could oh, care geez. less about either of those two teams. If I see any more of those on the Sunday night or Monday night package, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I might I might throw something. We got to we got to have a flex option in there. Is yeah. what we got to have. Come on. 
Tampa Bay and Carolina, uh, speaking of fantasy football, those Christian McCaffrey owners, not happy. Uh, He's back for one game, out this week with a shoulder, questionable already for next week. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still licking their wounds from the beatdown that the New Orleans Saints put on them last week on Sunday Night Football. That one at noon on Fox. Bucks under a touchdown favorite in that one. That's it for noon kicks. There's a lot in the evening. Uh, Starting at 3.05 in the AFC West, You've got the Broncos and the Raiders. Vegas, a four-point favorite in that one. Uh, speaking of the AFC West, you have the Chargers on the road in Miami taking on Tua Tungavailoa, who is 2-0 as a starter in the National Football League. Miami just a very slight favorite in that game as well. Also at 3.05, this is a good one. You've got the Bills at 7-2 and against Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray against Josh Allen? Yes, please. I would love okay. to watch that one. Okay, that's a good little matchup. Absolutely, three twenty-five. On every Fox. time I'm, every go time ahead. I'm kind of in on the Cardinals, they go lose to the Dolphins. I mean, I, <laughs> every time I'm like, yeah, that's that. They're really good. Then they go, they take like two steps forward and then one step back. They've done that yeah. two or three times already this season. And the last one was losing to the Dolphins last week. You're right. They have. They have done that. Uh, good matchup in the NFC West at three twenty-five between the Rams and the Seahawks. L.A., a slight favorite in that one. That one at Inglewood at SoFi Stadium. Seattle trying to bounce back from a loss to Buffalo where they turned the football over four times. Also at 325, Niners and Saints. That one in the Big Easy in, uh, in New Lot, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, Drew Brees will try and continue his winning ways and potentially an upset in the making. Cincinnati against Pittsburgh, 325 Fox. You give Joe Burrow any shot. Sure, puncher's chance. Pittsburgh's got to lose sometime, right? Come on. Yeah. And Can't they haven't played. You, you heard us talk with Ian last hour. They haven't played sparkling and, and dominant football at times. So I give them a chance. The, the weather's not going to be any good, but the, the Bengals can score a little bit. No Joe yep. Mixon this week for Cincinnati, which is good for you, Giovanni Bernard owners in fantasy as well. Sunday night football, Ravens, Patriots, Baltimore, touchdown favorite. What would you make of Lamar Jackson's comments uh, about apparently other teams are are calling out our plays at the line of scrimmage. They know what we're doing, and um, yeah, I mean that's that that's that's big stuff. Yeah, grow up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they've been disappointing, right? I mean, I think you and I, I think we're on the same page when this season started that Baltimore was the team to beat in the AFC, and they haven't lived up to that. They just haven't been that good, and. Yeah, for that kind of a comment, whatever. Grow up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we've got the Masters this weekend, too, so get yeah. excited for that. Um, been interesting so far with the, with the scores put out there. How have you um, seen the course play so far through two it's, days? It's been under attack. The rain they had yesterday morning, which delayed round one, softened it up. It was pin hunting for all day yesterday and about half the day today. It started to toughen up a little bit late today. No more rain, so it's going to get slicker and faster. It's going to be a fabulous Sunday, back nine, because there are so many guys bunched up in there. It's going to be great drama on Sunday at the Masters. What do you think of uh, them in November? The darkness is is an issue. You know, you watch yeah. late in the evening, and these these guys are having a hard time seeing their balls. Yeah, it's and they're, they're, Sunday they're going to be done by three, so they're going to. It's not going to be as bad of a problem on Sunday, but it it has changed it a little bit. 
But I'm just glad they got it in this year. And I think they are, too. I think the players are like, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to skip a full year. We know we're back here in several months in April, but let's get a champion named here in 2020. And so I think the players are just grateful it's there. I know as a golf fan, I'm, I'm grateful that it's happening. Absolutely. So Masters coverage uh, all weekend long. Uh, keep an eye out for your next winner. Um, and then, of course, you've got uh, a big fight this weekend as Bud Crawford is a heavy favorite this weekend. Back in action for a uh, for a long. It's been a long time since since he's fought, uh, but he is uh, he is in action as well here this uh, this weekend for the first time in in a really long time. Crawford, uh, own, <laughs> you look at all the belts that he's owned and um, the uh, you know the the. I don't even know what to call it, recognition that he's gotten worldwide with his ability to fight pound for pound, maybe the, the best fighter. He'll fight Kel Brook. As I mentioned, Bud Crawford, a big favorite of this. So it'll be nice to just see him fight again. Yeah. On ESPN, right, tomorrow night? Yes, uh, where you can find that. And also, um, you know, weigh-ins were earlier today as well. As I mentioned, um, you know, you look at Terrence Crawford and uh, number one, arguably pound for pound boxer, uh, he's waiting, waiting to fight, you know, Errol Spence Jr., Manny Pacquiao, one of those big names, but this is, uh, this is the, the, the WABO welterweight title that he is defending 36 and oh, Greg, 29 Ooh. knockouts and, and Brooks, no slouch either. I mean, he was 30, he's 39 and two at 27 KOs, but you know, Bud Crawford's itching for, you know, Errol Spence or, you know, one of those big names that you know, can draw him in and, you know, kind of put himself even further on the map. He's ready for that huge, huge payday. Yeah. We're back. Final segment of the night. Final segment of the week here of Sports Nightly. Time for us to name our winners and losers of the week. Ben, lead us off. Yeah, sure. Um, My winner of the week uh, goes to St. Mary's. Uh, of Ramson, Ramson of uh, Iowa, eight-man football in Iowa, Greg hmm. and Tim. They won a 108 <laughs> to 94 football game against Ooh. Montezuma uh, a couple of days ago. 108 to 94 uh, in in the state of Iowa. Just absolutely <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I, I saw the scoring log and the scoring sheet, and I think I even saw that they had. The longest game time was without action was, uh, I think it was like six minutes of, of in-game action without a score. Absolutely crazy. My loser, Florida State football. An absolute train wreck of a week for Coach Norvell. James Blackman, former starting quarterback, transferring from the program as soon as he graduates. Stud wide receiver, NFL prospect, Tamorion Terry, no longer listed on the roster. He's nowhere to be found. And NFL defensive tackle Marvin Wilson out for the season with an injury. They lose three players, two to transfer, and you get the feeling that the Seminoles are ready to fold up the lawn chair and head inside for the winner. Wow. That's unbelievable. All right, Tim, how about your winners and losers? Uh, yeah, my winner of the week, uh, how could it not really be uh, the Fred Hoiberg and really Matt Abdul-Massey for snapping up the first five-star in program history? Uh, pretty much a slam dunk, if you like a basketball metaphor. Of a signing, good stuff there. Uh, yeah. My loser of the week, online retailers. I was one of the um, poor souls trying to snap up a PS5 yesterday when I was met with crashed websites left and right as the entire universe, it seemed, uh, tried to buy one at the same time. I now feel, uh, or I now know what it feels like to be Sissyfuss pulling the uh, 
pushing the boulder up the hill <laughs> as I tried to impossibly buy this PS5. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. I know there are probably bigger things on the horizon for the world right now, but I tried to buy a PS5. Couldn't do it. Wasn't happy. That's too bad. That, uh, that stinks because I'm sure you're ready for hours of entertainment to be <laughs> launched and go. This is true. I'm very sad. Don't, don't feel too bad for me, Greg. I know you'll yeah. have to roll yeah. Smalls violin, but... All right, uh, my winner, you went to uh, Husker basketball. I'm going to go Husker volleyball. I mean, come on. Four top ten kids signed with Nebraska this week, numbers one, two, three. That's ridiculous. Unbelievable. We should never take John Cook for granted. He is just a monster in the sport of college volleyball. Cannot wait to see that team take the floor in January and then get all those new players in for next August for that 2021 season. Congratulations to them. And my loser of the week is, don't you know I'm a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Tony Larusa, oh, Tony Larusa. That story's been unbelievable. I can't believe the White Sox haven't uh, reversed course on that hire. That was an unbelievable story from early in the week, and I know Tim is taking great pleasure in that because Larusa no longer with the Cardinals. I'm fine with it. 